Hello, and welcome to the Unique CPA with your host, Randy Crabtree. We're committed to creating a thriving community of accounting professionals who are physically and mentally healthy, fulfilled, and energized by their work. Our ultimate goal is to elevate the reputation of the accounting profession and vastly improve the lives of those in it. The Unique CPA is brought to you by Trimerit, the specialty tax professionals. Today, our guest is Jason Blummer. Uh, Jason is partner with the CPA firm of Blummer CPAs. I think I got that right. He'll correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. Um, all right, so I got that right. We got, got confirmation. Right. Uh, uh, Jason is uh, also the brains behind, and he'll correct me if I'm wrong there too, <laughs> Thrival, uh, which right. is a uh, community of professionals that uh, will expand on that as we go today. He is also the host of the Thrivecast podcast, which... Before we started recording, I told them, well, you're the grandfather of accounting podcasts, but because it's been around since 2011. Now, I'm not saying Jason is old because we've already <laughs> determined that I am older than Jason, That's but right. but that podcast has been around for yeah. quite a long time. Long time. And, and host, uh, well, you have another Businessology uh, podcast as yeah. well? Yeah, that one's been around about 10 years. So, or no, so. 11 years, I think. So, yeah. All right. So, you, you've been doing this well. So, and yeah. in addition, he speaks, he writes, he he's entertains, he just about, you know, song and dance. He does a little bit of everything. Jason, welcome to the Unique CPA. Cool. Well, Randy, I had to hit you up on email <laughs> to see if I could be on your show. I had to first invite you to my show. You've been on my show, so I had to get on yours too. So, I really appreciate you having me, man. Yeah, no. Hey, believe me. And I think I told you this when we recorded on yours. I, I think I started searching you out about five years ago. I was going to say stalking, but I technically haven't stalked you. <laughs> okay. Right. You haven't been to my house. I have least. not. <laughs> I mean, not that you know. I mean, I, I mean. Right. I don't know. So that one window you have down on the right-hand corner there that where you keep. Oh, wait. No. That, <laughs> no. I need to close that. Floor, you, don't I? you should keep okay. that. That privacy is not the greatest. So, um, oh, I have not been to your. I have not been to your. That as clarification, funny. I have not been there. So, I think we're in store for a few laughs today, which will be yes, fun. So, be fun. Uh, all right. So, so I did a quick intro there. Again, I actually did try to reach out to you about five years ago because I saw what you're doing with Thrival and I was really interested to see what was going on there. And then when you reached out to me a, a few weeks, a month ago, I was so excited because I was like, all right, now we can connect. I want to see what's going on. Yes, Before that. we talk about Thrival, let's talk about a little bit. Why don't you give us a little more background? But I specifically want to know more about your firm because mm. your firm seems to be doing a lot of things that I love to talk about. Mm. Niche. You know, certain pricing policies, you know, I'm guessing you've got a, you know, work-life balance the plan in place. So give us a little background on Blummer CPAs. Yeah. Well, so Blummer CPAs, my dad started it in 97 and he started it just as a small firm and I, I he wanted it to stay small. And then I came in in 2003 from another firm that I quit because yeah. they, you know, I <laughs> called them a bunch of old fogies and so I left. <laughs> Uh, and I thought I can run a firm better than you old people, um, but I couldn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> turns out I was wrong. Um, so in 2003, I started leading the firm that my dad had started and he's long since retired. So I've always been an entrepreneur, have started companies, have failed some companies too in my past with other partners and, you know, gone into debt, done wrong things. And so Kind of had a similar turnaround in Blummer too, 
And so my partner, Julie, came in about 10 years ago and, yeah, we had to turn it around. But, you know, we at the same time, we were solidly, you know, leaning into a niche with digital agencies all over the U.S. Mm -hmm. And, you know, about 10 years ago, after reading Ron Baker's book, I was hanging out with him in Verisage probably 12 years ago. Wow. And yeah, just uh, went to some of his, you know, Verisage events um, many, many years ago. And just, you know, came to believe that time billing was wrong. We just deleted our time and billing system, turned the keys into the landlord and, you know, got rid of our lease uh, 10 years ago and just everybody went home and it didn't go as smoothly as I had hoped, but we learned a lot and we're solidly a virtual firm now. And, you know, we're, we're hiring four people and, you know, people we may not meet until the next retreat. It's just all cool stuff, stuff that a lot of, a lot of firm owners do now. They don't even think about it, but it was, stuff scared the crap out of me when I did it. Yeah. Um, and it didn't go well because I didn't know what I was doing, but now I know. But you're a pioneer. You, you led it. And, and now you, and now you educate on it too. I'm assuming you talk about yeah. these kind of things and what, you have a handful of conferences. One, what was yeah. the one through a thrival well, deeper so, weekend so, or something? Yeah. Deep, deeper weekend is our main conference. We do that the last week of October and then we do a lot for our Thrival members. So there's a lot of things that happen privately, which, you know, there's a number of communities around, a number of great communities. And privately, we're in there teaching the members, coaching them. We're going to community groups every month. Uh, we have events for them that they'll fly in for. So there's a lot of private related things that my partner and I do nice. for our members to support them, to help them entrepreneurially. And, you know, a lot of what we're teaching them or telling them are the you know, mistakes we're making in our own firm and things we're trying and they just have questions. It's like, well, what happened when you did that? And we're like, here's what we wish we would have known. Right. You know, that's, you're just teaching out of your own experience is kind of what we do now. So, so. you're sharing the knowledge, the, the, yeah. the good and the bad that you've learned and, and let's avoid the bad and, and you're going to do that. It. Well, let's dig deeper into the firm because I do want to get into Thrival because this is what, what originally intrigued me, but I want to dig deeper into the firm because you just said a lot of things there like, 12 years ago, you were already looking at new pricing policies, you yeah. know, through, through Ron Baker, which was huge. So literally, timesheets were gone 12 years ago, or, how, or when did you start that? Yeah, yeah pro um, probably a decade ago, we deleted the time and billing system, probably. And so I assume it's evolved over time, or whatever you implement 12 years oh. ago, you're still doing today? Oh, no, no. Yeah, we just... It, you know, it came out of a, it came out of a belief. It's like, all right, tracking time is pretty foolish. It yeah. really doesn't make a lot of sense. And I didn't know what to do after that. So I just deleted them and tried, tried to figure it out, you know, and it, I don't, I don't remember the journeys we went through, but eventually we had to come to upfront pricing. There was no way to bill a client. So you had to just agree upfront, will you pay me this? And so through that came a lot of strategy. So that was the one thing we had to figure out is, well, how are we going to make money if we're not tracking time? And that was the first hurdle. And I, I didn't know to solve that. I just knew time tracking was, was going to lead us down a wrong road. And I didn't want what the profession had been getting from that time tracking for so long. So I went ahead and got rid of that. Um, and, then, and then that's evolved. It's evolved, you know, to be pretty sophisticated now in the firm yeah do you call it three-tier pricing because i noticed there was three different options when i looked at your website or how do you yeah. define today's pricing model you're using yeah yeah we've always done three options we do a high like um every dollar that comes in the firm has been has been sold through a high middle low 
option. So every single dollar. Uh, we can do projects or we'll do recurring. We do a lot of recurring work, obviously, as a firm, you know, high level advisory recurring work. And so all of it, we pitch every bit of it to a client up front through value conversations, you know, and it takes about a month to start a new relationship with a client, month, month and a half. Um, sometimes it's slower than we want it to be. So sometimes we'll speed up the steps in our onboarding, but we always do a high, middle, low because uh, we've seen a lot of value in the the power of anchoring at that high option. Uh, and three options really pushes us into uh, having to be creative, right? So if a client says, here's what I need, we always give them three versions of what they need. And it puts us in a place to have to be creative. So we're often selling things clients never asked to purchase from us, which we believe is a really strong part to being a strong pricer and an innovator is uh, you should always be selling things to clients they don't know to ask you to purchase, right, right. <laughs> basically. We're the leader, we're the advisor. So we kind of tell them, here's probably the way we need to serve you. And I like the fact that you're calling yourself the advisor rather than yeah. the rather than the reporter, because I think too many people still are in that reporter yeah. mode. Let's, yeah. let's just yeah. report what happened financially, tax wise for the last year. Yeah. Instead of let's affect that bottom line. So, yeah, we love we love to advise. And, you know, the hard thing when you when you grow a firm, we'll be about 15 this year, not a huge firm, you know, but when you have that many people, you have to you have to step into more of a leadership role. So you're training technical people to be advisors, which is, mm -hmm. which is hard. It's hard enough for you as the technical owner to become an advisor. It's even harder to train and teach other people how to advise on a recurring basis. But we love that challenge and it, it really forces us to invest in our team to help them learn how to advise and speak in meetings and things like that. Yeah. And the nice thing about advisor in general is I think it's easier to show the value of what you're bringing to them too. Yeah. You can show... So I assume you find that as well. Oh, totally. With advising, you do a lot of consulting and coaching. Um, those are just things you can sell, you know, in our world. And it, it really does. There's a lot of power in it changing entrepreneurs' lives. And that's what we do. We, you know, one thing we did not long ago, well, yeah, about a decade ago too, is we only serve entrepreneurs. So we'll only contract in the name of a business. So we have some parameters Hmm. We'll only sign a contract with a business. So we, we won't work with individuals. They have to enter into a 12, you know, sometimes 12 to 16 month contract. So we ask for committed relationships up front and then we have to draft our prices. So we never invoice clients. We take our money instead of request our money. Yes. And it, it's just taken years to get there. But those are just uh, some of the barriers to entry, we say, for our clients and we know not all clients want to work with us in that way. It just means they're not a right client. And that's not bad. Correct. There's another firm that can serve them. It's just not how we're going to do it. And it creates a lot, a lot more order in a firm, you know, a lot more predictable cash flow. And it's just a more enjoyable way that we want to operate. So we, we do it. Yeah, we did it. I, so far, everything you're saying is like everything that I love about yeah. people when they build their businesses. And it doesn't happen overnight. And for no, you, it didn't happen no, overnight. No. Um, a lot of mistakes, man. Yep. And, and so let's talk about the one thing that uh, you talked about before with advisory, but also that you do have a niche, uh, digital agencies. I don't know if there's multiple niches. Was this something intentionally that happened or was it just organic? Hey, we just kept getting clients in this area. Yeah. 
you probably know this as well as I do, Randy, a niche can find you a lot of times, right? If you, yep. if you serve a group of people, more will refer in the same kind of industry. And so you'll end mm-hmm. up having a lot of the similar niche. And that happened to us with creative digital agencies. We just aligned well with them. We'd like to serve them in the way they like to receive service, which is kind of what we call alignment. Mm-hmm. But at some point, if a niche is to be powerful and you leverage it for, you know, expertise type pricing, which is typically pricing, you know, three, four and five times higher than what they're paying somewhere else. If you yep. if you want to get into that, a niche does have to be very uh, intentional. At some point, you got to switch into intention because growth in a firm is all about being intentional. And so you have to go, all right, we're going to do that. And we're not going to do anything else. And we're going to put it on our website. And we're going to go to creative conferences. We're going to try to see if they'll let us speak there. You start to do things on purpose. And, you know, we did that probably eight years ago as we started getting a few clients and they started referring more to us. We said, you know, we're going in, we're going all the way in. Uh, We did it. And it, there's a lot of power in narrowing into a market to niche. Oh, oh, that's why I am such a fan of that. Well, yeah, I mean, we're a niche service. Yeah. You know, through especially you service a niche industry, right? And then within there, you even, I mean, you 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 dig into, hey, you have to commit twelve to sixteen months. Hey, you have to be. Yeah. We're not taking individuals, so I love that. I think people get afraid, a scared, a scared. That's another word. They do get afraid of the, They get a scared. <laughs> they do get a scared <laughs> because, man. I'm going to turn down a client that wants to pay me X dollars because they're not in my niche. Yeah. You know, I service digital agencies, but this Burger King needs help. And <laughs> why am I not going to go help this Burger King? Yeah. Well, because one, it's just not the the expertise you have yeah. as a firm. When you're niching, I assume that I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I will multiple times probably. <laughs> I'll try not to. But when, when you have this niche, I mean, and you alluded to it. You just become passionate about that, and yeah. hopefully, it's a niche you're passionate about. In addition, you just get so knowledgeable because you're working with the same type of client. Every client's unique. Yeah. That you get this uh, reputation as, hey, if you want somebody that's going to be on your team to help you grow, to help you be profitable, whatever it is, you got to go to Jason because he's the guy that helps digital yeah. agencies or Jason's yeah. firm, which that's right. I assume you find that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this long into podcasting, you know, we get a lot of referrals from our podcast and even the market is somewhat educated on our firm. A lot of them know not to come to us. A lot of them are fearful of coming to us. They know they'll have to pay higher prices. So there's a niching and expertise type representation of yourself to a market, like through a podcast, really sets people up to know they're going to have to pay you more. So they kind of come in the door with an understanding of having to pay you more. But on the other side of that is they they demand pretty high service too, which we want. Our firm, you know, our team wants that responsibility. But those are things we don't, we didn't realize early on when we started niching, thinking we're bad and, you know, we're, we're awesome. And right. clients come in and they're like, well, if you're so awesome, uh, you're going to be three times better than the last firm. And it's like, okay. So we had to learn <laughs> how to do that, not just ask for more money. We had to right. be really better at our service. So there's a lot of internal project management, service-related principles we talk about, boot camps we run our team through, You know, three to six month training programs for new team. Nice. You have to really level up your team if you're going to represent yourself as a niched provider and an expert, 
those go hand in hand. And that's probably stuff we didn't realize. We just niched, started charging more, and the market starts to demand more from you, which they should if they're paying more. Right. And it all makes you better. It does make you a better firm when the market's requiring more from you. So it's awesome. Yep. And when you're concentrating on one area, you can get dig so deep, whether it's, you know, there's probably specific tax laws that they are going to affect your industry more than others. And now you know them and you're the expert. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of that. I love it. So, and you mentioned it, you know, your fees can be maybe three times, four times higher than others that your clients demand more for these fees too, but they also know you're the expert. Uh, have you found overall by becoming this niche, higher value service, being able to bill more, has that reduced the time? Do you have a better overall firm work-life balance because of that? Or? Well, yeah, you can define a lot of that. It's, you know, for the firm owners, firm owners work pretty hard. If you're an entrepreneur, you got to you gotta work pretty hard. Yep. I think a lot of the, the work-life balance, the things we talk about is really doing that better for your team. Yep. And and that is true. So when you when you have a really well-intentioned firm, you can really define and package a role to be a 40 to 45 hour a week role uh, very easily. You don't like you can say to a team member, hey, this is going to be a 40 hour a week job. And it, it doesn't surprise them and become a 60 hour a week job because you've planned it out. You know exactly what kind of firm you have, right. what the role does in that firm. Now, I work more than 40 hours a week, and I would imagine most any entrepreneur that runs. Now, of course, I run two full-time businesses. So <laughs> Thrival is a full-time business. I'm the CEO there. And Blummer is a full-time business. I'm the CEO there. So I don't work 40 hours a week. Now, but I know what it takes, and I love it. This is kind of my mission, and this is what I do. Yep. Our team did not sign up for that. So they, <laughs> they signed up for 40 to 45-hour a week. Uh, jobs. And that's what they have. So it's it's all really ordered. I used to run in a very chaotic way because I was, I was yep. just a very distracted entrepreneur, lack of focus. Um, you know, and, and a lot of people who follow us know, you know, how committed we are to calendar work blocking and how how deep that methodology is that we teach our Thrival members. But Really? Um, no. I didn't know you went over this too. This is something I, I talk about in, in a lot of my presentations oh, as well. No, so big deal. I, I'm no expert. I just talk based on what I've learned from other people. Yeah. So I'm going to learn more from you today on this and we'll, and we'll expand that into my uh, presentations. So now I want to expand or I want to transition into Thrival because we just talked about what you've done, how you built this business, how you've trial and error, learn things along the way, mm -hmm. and, and over time become this niche, become this three-tier pricing, become this people know they're not going to come in and work 80 hours yeah. a week when they're coming with you. And so now I assume this knowledge that you've gained is one of the reasons that Thrival came about because you like, aha, we can do this. Now let's go share this. Yeah. Well, with others? not exactly. <laughs> I, I wish, Damn it. <laughs> I, I, wish I, had, I wish I was more intentional, man. I wish I, wish I had a story. No, the, the, the story was really, I was probably on Twitter, let's see, 2008, uh, probably, and started meeting a couple of... Wait, it existed back then? I, yeah, I think it did. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, it was. And so I was meeting people that were doing different. I was, there was like three or four CPAs, you know, a handful uh, of CPAs. That's how Jody Paydar and I met. Just we were friends. We've been friends for good Lord, for so many, so many years. We met on Twitter. We started helping each other with our firm. Oh, wow. 
uh, and we call each other. Yeah, it, the radical CPA, that's right? right. That's, yeah. So, so Jody, I think probably lives ten minutes away from me. Uh, I'm in the Chicago suburbs, and we have never met. She's so. in the Chicago suburbs, man. Um, yeah. But so we were doing this on social media, which was all really brand new. And we and then we started meeting other people, and then we'd go to conferences, and groups would form of you know ten to twelve people. Um, and I'm like, you know what? We need to more formalize a community together. And I launched a community. I created a landing page, put a video out, and you know the the website broke. You know, so many people were coming <laughs> to the thing. I, it like shut down for some reason. I can't remember all of that. And just a community formed out of that because I really wanted to be with people, to run. A, I wanted to run a firm with other people running firms. That's what I wanted. I didn't know. I wasn't trying to build a community. It was free. We weren't charging anything. Really? Yeah. I mean, I didn't know. And then we had to find a place to convene online. So I used LinkedIn groups for a while. Then we had to move to a more private platform. Then they started asking for coaching and education and programs. And I'm like, okay, let me go make something up and see if we can do a <laughs> Listen, I didn't play in any of that. So Thrival is truly just formed out of its own. Now it's very intentional. It has programs. It has, you know, membership levels. I have a role. There's a bunch of team that do things. And it just, just like any entrepreneurial endeavor, it forms over time and you get better and you learn more about what do people need. And our whole goal is to serve people, to take care of entrepreneurs that run firms. And that's what we do. We take care of them. So when you say firms, is it all county firms or mm -hmm. like, okay, yeah, all right, perfect. Yeah, firms all over the U.S. and Canada, mostly the U.S. Basically, we said we're a community for entrepreneurs that happen to run accounting firms. That's right. I have and, seen that. Yeah. And so that's, and that's what we do in our firm. To our firm, we serve entrepreneurs that run digital agencies because being an entrepreneur is not the easiest choice path people make in their life and they figure that out you know five three five years in they go oh this is hard it's like it is hard yeah so this is not one of the easy choices of life so we're part of the care and the support of the entrepreneurial community uh, we do it for agencies we have events for agencies and things like that coaching programs for our clients in blummer and we do a lot of the same things in thrival too because entrepreneurs need support that's what they need. Yep. And so you are a true entrepreneur because what you just said is that you saw a need and you decided to do it. That's and right. that's nothing wrong with not being an entrepreneur, right. but that's the only difference. Non-entrepreneurs in my mind see the need right. and figure someone else will fill it that's or right. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. The entrepreneur sees the need and says, hey, let's give this a try. That's right. We like to say entrepreneurs, they exploit value, yeah. which sounds bad, but it's not. They see value not being met. And they go exploit the fact that that's not being created anywhere or filled. And they go, I'm going to fill that spot. And they, they do it. And they realize it's not easy to do that. Right. And so I think entrepreneurs need support. I think they need to be with like-minded people doing what they're doing. Uh, because they a lot of times you can think, I am crazy. I am out of my mind for doing this. What the hell am I doing doing this every day? Yeah. And so we have to remind them. That's because you impact a lot of people's lives. You change people's lives, your clients, the people you're with, your team. So it is extremely valuable. And of course, Randy, you and I know the accounting profession. It is so valuable for our economy. It's just the foundation. 
and the entrepreneurs who run those companies need a lot of our care and support. And I love them. So I want to, I want to help them. Man, you and I, uh, we may be the same person, I think. I, I don't know. Uh, but I, you're I mean, older than me, Randy. Didn't we determine uh, yeah. that? <laughs> so, so as a backup or as information, I, I called Jason Old on his podcast in, unintentionally. <laughs> on our own podcast, Randy. And there was set just, the straight on yours that you're older than I am. We found out today I'm at least eight years older That's than you, right. it sounds like. That's so right. We'll let people guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, I lo- looking at this, I figure you were older, but <laughs> we can cut that out. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm wiser, right? You're like, you look wise. Yeah. Well, you, you probably are wiser than me because no. you, you, at least when you're firm, you figured it out you know, quicker than I did. Oh. When, when I had my accounting firm, it took a long time to figure it out. And by the time I started to get an inkling, I figured it out. I merged my firm in with someone else and started Trimerit, which was niche. Stayed in tax, totally. but niche. And that totally. was me figuring it out. Well, so. no, see, that's you figuring it out. It's brilliant. And one, one thing entrepreneurs do is they compare a lot. So they compare their firm or what they're going through to other people, but they don't have the full context of that comparison. So we always tell our tribal members, do not compare. <laughs> and we, we say we're not a best practices community, meaning we don't just tell them, here's how you run a firm. No, we try to figure out what is right for you. What are your goals? You know, your firm's not going to look the same as somebody else's. We're trying to learn principles from each other. Stop trying to make your firm what somebody else has built or supposedly what you think they've built. Because we see just the happy part of firm building on social media. We don't see yeah, the dark, yeah. the dark periods and the downtimes, which I've had many, many, many downtimes. It's a very difficult job to be an entrepreneur. Uh, so there are ups and downs. Yeah, I've had plenty of those downs too. I've started multiple businesses. Uh, yeah, but man, I've been riding a a, a fun high for a, quite a few years now, yeah. and it's been fun. That's awesome. Um, so the things you just said, and and I think you and I talked about this. You know, we have a conference coming up this year. Yeah, it's bridging the gap, and then we define a few things between generations, bridging the gap. Nice. You know, to good mental health, good yeah. physical health, bridging the gap to finding your success. Yeah. And that's what you were just saying. Yes. Don't compare. Right. You know, your success is completely different when someone else's and let's define what you want out of your business. Yep. And you know, do you want to work 20 hours a week? Right. And serve, you know, 10 clients? Do you yeah. want to work 80 hours a week, which I hope you don't? Yeah. And and serve 100 clients, yeah. whatever it is. And yeah. that, so I agree completely on that. Well, and the and the reason we say that especially for firms, firms are their service organizations. So service organizations, we say are very intimate, right? So they're built on relationships. So relationships with your partner, relationships with team, relationships with client, everything's built on a relationship. So a firm is a very, it is a real depiction of a firm owner's life. So Mm -hmm. what that firm owner believes, their mission, their core values are going to be reflected in this kind of intimate organization. And that also means every firm will look different. They None of them will be the same. They'll all have different goals. They want to grow faster or slower. Some need to be a lifestyle firm. Some have uh, a family need they're trying to meet with their firm. Somebody else is single and they're trying to blow their firm up. I mean, and make it large. It just... it's such an intimate organization. You cannot compare it. So you've got to figure out what you're trying to do with the conference, which is what is your success that you're trying to create in your life? And that's the thing people don't know. They're trying to build what they think 
somebody else thinks they should be building. Right. And they don't have the license and freedom to go stop building what somebody else has. Be as small as you want or be as big as you want. That's your decision. And people aren't going to agree with you. And that's okay. We're not here to agree with each other. We're here to build what we're supposed to be building in this world. And you are going to be so much happier if you do it that way rather than try to do somebody else's uh, firm. Let's do your own firm. Yeah, totally. You'll be much happier. Well, the, the thing, though, that scares people, and I kind of mentioned this before, is that, hey, you're starting a firm. And let's say I want to just deal with digital agencies. Man, it is so hard to turn away somebody else that wants to come. And oh, yeah. and, and so that is so scary for entrepreneurs because I just need the revenue now. Yeah. I don't know if you talk about that when you're in your thrival yeah. uh, events. But oh, uh, yeah. yeah, we have we have whole, you know, decks talking about the economics of niching and, you know, how to do it. And and we find niching is valuable after you've really you got to set your firm up to kind of produce cash flow so that it can support you full on. Mm-hmm. So we find the first few years people are not niching and and that's OK. They're trying to build a cash flow organization that supports their family or right. supports whatever their goal is. And once they get that figured out, then they can take the risk to niche because niching is a risk. Right. It's taking the risk to start saying no to revenue. And that's because you believe the yes is bigger. The yes I can say to better revenue is the risk I want to take. And you you really have to have an expert positioning to be able to, to pull that yes off. So the no is a risk. And you just want to make sure your, your firm is cash flowing that lets you risk that. And I, I made all those it's mistakes important. wrong. Yep. I did that oh, yeah. all wrong. So You did all right. All right. <laughs> So let's dig deeper because you said the biggest you know, of your conferences is this deeper weekend you do. So kind of give us just the stage of what this is, you know, yeah. from day one or the moment you arrive to the moment you leave, what's in between? Yeah. So it was built around our community. So it kind of started, this is our 12th year. So, yep. you know, probably about, you know, 70% of our community comes to this event. So it's a really intimate event and it's, the, the thing about Deeper Weekend is that it's only for firm entrepreneurs. So we only invite firm owners. That's a big right. deal. And so now you're in this room with every single other person and they own a firm. And that's that's what we care about. Community, like-minded community that teaches us. And so we cap it to, we want about 100 entrepreneurs coming and that's it. We don't want this to be some, you know, 5,000 person conference. It's always been small. And so we do a little teaching, but everybody breaks out and they do a lot of work on their firm together. We'll push them into groups. And then we have just, you know, dinners and parties every night. Uh, not not crazy parties. It's parties for them to be together. Yeah. Just the, the conversation. You know, that's what they say. That's the best part of the conference. They invest to come and just seeing just being in groups with other entrepreneurs that are also doing what they're doing. They learn and grow so much together. So we create a lot of space to do that. A lot of great food, like Greenville, South Carolina is a beautiful downtown area. And so we take them to just amazing venues. They just feel, it's just so enjoyable to go to these places, great food, great drinks, and really they enjoy each other. So that's our goal with a little bit of education sprinkled in there too. So, right. Education. Yeah. But community is huge. huge. Relationship building, huge knowledge sharing between attendees That's in right. my mind is huge yeah. and just building that community. But I mean, I've talked to so many people that 
talk about conferences they've gone to and how much that has meant to them personally and their business because of all the things they learn. And I'm actually very fortunate to be part of a a group called the Accountants Cornerstone Foundation, which is a scholarship group. We give scholarships to individuals that can't afford to attend the conference. So their first conference. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. This is a, we just started it up this year, but it it allow people that just don't have the means or they work for someone that maybe it's not the entrepreneur themselves, but it's somebody that's got that mindset that wants to go to a conference. They want to learn more. They want to build these relationships, but they just aren't able to do it financially. So pretty exciting because these things are so important. Thrival, that's such an important thing for entrepreneurs. And your conference, yeah. Uh, We're hoping it is. That's their goal of it, to create a community of people that uh, can help each other. Yeah. I don't know if I fit the requirement or not, but at some point in time, I would love to come to your to deeper weekend. Of course so we're gonna... you do. Yeah, you're an entrepreneur, Randy. We <laughs> yeah. we invite entrepreneurs to our conference. Uh... Yeah, but I don't do anything anymore. I just do this. <laughs> I just talk now. Other people run the firm. So uh, yeah, you you've been through the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, so you yeah. you know what it takes. So like, I would want somebody like you there because I know somebody will run into you and talk to you. And I know what kind of person you are and you'll encourage that entrepreneur that came. Their life will be changed. They'll go build their firm better because they came and ran into you. That's the stuff we know happens. Yeah, We're doing some of that, but we're running the conference and teaching. And so they're all caring for one another. And that's the beautiful part. It's, yeah. it's the group that is there to, to serve that's one another. Awesome. That is that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, yep, it is for sure. Yeah. All right. So before we're going to a couple more things before we wrap up, this is a question that I assume that you've listened to all the episodes of the unique CPA. So, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, what's coming, yeah. but you probably don't. But um, one question I always ask everybody, and, and I think it goes along with what we're saying is that, you know, there's more to life than your, uh, your definition of your role in your business. Yeah. There is the things you do outside of work. Yes. There's the passions you have. And yeah. so, so when you're not being CEO of two different businesses yeah. and running all these events, yeah. what's your fun stuff? What do you enjoy doing outside of work? Yeah. I, you know, love, love to travel, love to be with my family. Um, music is a huge part of my life. So I've been in rock bands for, you know, growing up, I uh, was in the studio, toured a little bit. Really? Um, yeah. And just, you know, particular parts of, of music are a, a big emotional part uh, of, you know, ways to support me during, during hard times. So music's big and I play guitar, I play bass, you know, those things are a huge part uh, of my life. So that, that's a huge part huge, huge part. I'll, I'll yep. travel to rock concerts, you know, in Canada, just by myself really? to uh. visit the, the bands that, that I love. It's, it's a big part of, it's a big part of what I love. You're not so. kidding. This is a huge part. Um, it is big. Yeah. <laughs> last question then. So if people want to find out more about you, about the firm, about uh, Thrival, about Deeper Weekend, where would they look? Yeah. So you can, you know, if you want to find anything about being cared for as a, an accounting firm entrepreneur, you go to thrival.com, T-H-R-I-V-E-A-L.com. The word thrive with A-L on the end.com because the other URL was not available, you know, 15 years ago when I got it. So because uh, I would have dropped the A, uh, but it wasn't. So I had to get the one with 
E A L. Everybody says thrivial. That's not how you pronounce yeah. it. But anyway, well, I was even pronouncing it wrong because to me it was thrivial. Yeah. And so, yeah. So. Everybody says you know, but hey, I don't blame them. That's how it's spelled. So anyway, it's thrival. The word thrive a l dot com. And then a lot of people follow me on LinkedIn. You know, just hook up with me on LinkedIn too. So, and that's one thing I wanted to talk about. So we're going to have to expand on that. How the heck do you get 600,000 connections on LinkedIn? You can't even hit accept that many times. How does that happen? Well, those are followers. So I have I have over 600,000 followers. So those are people who haven't connected with me, but they follow my page. So you can come follow me or connect with me. So my connections are probably, I don't know, 6,000 people, maybe something like that. Well, I just sent you a connection request today. So I'm like, I'm pins and needles okay, waiting we'll for that acceptance. We'll so. see. We'll see, <laughs> I might not make the cut. I didn't see the follow me button. So I'll go back and at least do the follow yeah. and then I'll wait yeah. patiently. Yeah. Listen, I'll let you follow for a little while and then we'll see if we can connect. <laughs> Good stuff, man. I'll, I will accept your, here publicly, I'm saying, I will accept your request, Randy. The, the, this is good because this has been five years in the making for this to happen That's for right. me. So, so um, well, Jason, this has been a lot of fun. Thank I appreciate you, you being on the show. Yeah. And, and and I'm hoping at some point this year, we're going to cross paths somewhere yes. and meet in person. I can't wait. So, Randy, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate all that you do for the profession. So. Thank you. Well, right back at you. Like I said, you've been, I think you've been doing more for the professional longer than I have. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today on The Unique CPA. You can find the show notes for today's episode and learn more about Trimerit at theuniquecpa.com. Remember to subscribe and leave a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting app. And join us next time for more expertise and insights on the unique CPA professional productions.net